Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show. I am the one and only Dave Fremlin, and you are listening to me. Yay! Today is February 8th, 2022. It's a Tuesday, and it is delightfully chilly and wet outside, looking out my balcony, and it is 11.29 a.m. here in Central Florida. Ah, well, uh, starting off my podcast, I'm going to update you. Last night, okay, I was having, I was trying to make some adjustments based on my restless leg syndrome because you know it rules my whole life. And if you have restless leg syndrome, can I just put this out there? I have made restless legs like the sort of top priority out of dealing with things in my life. You are listening to The Dave Fremlin Show to share with anyone who's interested out there. Um, it takes a so, super duper uh, long time yeah. to Yay. boot it up. Um, and so I, anyways, and now tonight I'm going to not give you some information. Yay. A doctor. Um, which I forgot what it is. That's right. You are listening to the Dave Fremlin Show. Yay. I guess we'll see what happens, right? And the reason, and that doesn't sound right. What I mean is by that is that restless legs is going to be it's going to have an effect on my life whether I want it to or not and the way that I can harness that whether I make that a positive or negative effect or whether I have have that effect have less or more impact is how, what I can do okay and so um, mostly it's about attitude and what I do is I, I always make restless legs the top priority, and that involves when I go to bed, when I get up, sort of what I eat, sort of when I plan activities and whatnot. And it has to be that way because when I try to do it a different way, the restless leg still does it its own way. And so last night I decided to crank it back to the old way, the, the way that works. And... I'm not going to totally like harp on this point, but what works with restless legs, if you are not going to take the medications, which I highly recommend that you don't, this is the way that it works. Find the pattern when the restless legs comes, when it goes, when it's at its worst and when it's at its most tolerable, and then plan your rest and relaxation during the times when there's no need to be moving around. And plan times that you're gonna do things that are active or movement, any level, for times that the restless legs is at its worst. Because then you can mask the annoying symptoms of restless legs by doing something. And you can get your rest and relaxation in at times when you don't need to be moving around. It's the only way <coughs> that I have found that works. And then once that pattern is discovered and worked with on that base level, then other variables can be taken in or taken off, like sugar. I really have to monitor what I'm eating sugar-wise. Um, and vitamins and minerals and taking magnesium and when is the best time to take how much and all that stuff can only be dealt with after 
initiating the initial sequence, which is to find out when is the best time to sit down and when is the best time to stand up. It's really the basic. And after that, when is the best time to eat this or that food? Then when is the best time to take this or that supplement? When is the best time to plan this or that activity? Okay. And so it works. I'm going to give you the most perfect example. Last night. And last night was not perfect. I had restless legs really bad, which has been bad lately. I am attributing it to a high intake of artificial sugar. Uh, but I have no very, I have no uh, scientific method procedure to figure that out. So anyways, uh, I am in a improv class on Monday nights. I find it very fun and engaging. And when I get home, I find myself thinking about, you know, what did I do in the class? How did it go? Blah, blah, blah. And I walk. And um, also I have this terrible pain in my foot. So the good news is that the improv class kept me occupied from seven, for, well, from 630 because I left my house at 630 to walk there. And then I arrived there at about quarter to seven and I left there at 930. I got home around 10. And so that entire period of time is a time when it's very good for me to be occupied with something that is involving movement and creativity. All right, it's a perfect thing. Dance classes are going to begin soon. That'll take up another two nights a week, et cetera, et cetera. And um, so that is a thing that really works well for me. As far as getting home at 10, there's still several hours that I need to be sort of moving around. But if I use that time after 10 to pick up my, you know, pick all the clothes up off the floor of my condo and pick all the papers up off the table and clean the dishes and, you know, take a walk around the block, things like that. Mine are not heavy-duty exercise, but just uh, being standing up things around my own house or property. You know, I try to keep it close to home later. The later it gets at night, the more... Yeah. And I also can do baking and do cooking that I will use for the next day. So if I want to bake cookies or something, so I have something sweet for breakfast, I can cook it late at night. So that keeps me, you know, in the olden days when I lived next door to my mom, I'd go over to my mom's house and then I would take out her garbage and then I would go back to my house and take out my garbage and I would take a walk, you know, back and forth between. I mean, it, it, it seemed easier then only because... I had a destination within a certain, you know, area that I could just, you know, I had, I basically had two houses a block apart and I could just get up and walk over there and I had the key to her house and it, it would give me a destination. It was really the only difference. And so what it is involving now is finding um, activities for late at night for that period of time at night. And um, I, I also think that that's helpful on other levels. Now, when I go to Disney World, that works out just fine. But the other problem is I have this very sore foot full of screws. I refuse to let it change my life. But there is it gets to a certain point where it's like I cannot absolutely, you know. You are listening to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show on Podbean. Justified movement. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like at a certain point, it just it's just so painful that I just can't. I at that point, it feels like injury rather than like, you know, you know the thing. No pain, no gain. And I do foot exercises, and I, you know, 
but there is a limit to which the no pain, no gain means pain is equaling pain is for a reason. You know what I mean? The pain is usually there to get you to stop doing whatever you're doing. So that's what I wanted to talk about on Restless Legs. I don't want to make the whole podcast about that. But if you're a person who's listening to my podcast regularly and you're aware of the whole Restless Legs thing, then you're going to be glad to know. Because just yesterday I was talking about whether I should go back to the old way or whether it's things are morphing. And here's the bottom line. Find the thing that works and be as consistent as possible. <coughs> it is not a 100% uh, plan, but, you know, as best as possible. So, for example, yesterday, how it worked out for me was I got up out of bed at around, and then this is the last I'm going to talk about it. I got up out of bed at around 1030, which is still about a half hour too early. I putzed around within my condo, you know, making my breakfast and all the things, morning things. It takes a long time. And uh, and um, I did all that stuff. And then about one o'clock, I finally went for a walk somewhere close. I had to do an errand, then came back home. Then about two o'clock. I took a walk over to my gym. See, at 2 o'clock, 1 o'clock, that's still early for movement because I don't have restless legs at that time of day. But I do have restless brain. And so it's good to have like very low-key, low-level type of movement. So walking, I just walked over to my gym. Okay, I was, I did not do, I, my workouts are basic. You know, it's pretty much, I just do like a little resistance training. And then I came home. And I relaxed around my house. I didn't have any um, restless legs. I was able to just relax on my bed, you know, for a little while and then save up my energy. So when I went to the improv class at 6 p.m., uh, that I was nice and energized and ready to go. And that's the best time of night for me to have energy. And so I just, it's, the hardest part is to consider myself a nocturnal type person. And the, literally the hardest part is in the morning and this period between like 7 p.m. and like 10 or 11. That period needs to have occupation. And when it's cold outside, it's difficult. You know, a lot, it's hard to find activities, you know, that are within the realm of what I want to do at that time of day. That, uh, you know what I mean? But dance classes are starting soon. Acting classes are, are fun. And so things like that. And so that's how it worked. It worked out. Yesterday was not perfect, but it was a, a good example of how to do it. Um, and, you know, today I'm basically doing the same thing. I try to stay in bed as late as possible. 10.30 is like the minimum. And then take as long as possible in the morning moving you know like really take a long time to get out of bed get dressed like really just take that time in the morning that really zen time to just be sedentary and relaxed you know like i guess a lot of people drink coffee or tea i don't do that but anyways that i do a podcast it takes to do a half-hour podcast, it takes basically about an hour and a half with all the editing and everything. So um, 
and I don't do a lot of editing, but I sometimes do two or three takes. It takes 20 minutes to do a take, and then I like don't like it. And then another 20 minutes to figure out how to change it. So that's what I'm going to talk about on Restless Legs. The next thing I want to talk about is, um, I know everybody's talking about it. Joe Rogan. Has anybody heard about Joe Rogan? He's They're trying to cancel him. The guy, he made a big mistake. I, I'm of the belief that you don't apologize, especially for things in the past. I mean, apologize, yes, if you're wrong, to a specific person who you've made a mistake, okay? But as far as like a generalized apology for things that have been said in the past out of context because somebody doesn't like what you're saying now, uh, it's a mistake, and so what happened, and I, I'm not, I, well, I do know the whole story. So what happened was Joe Rogan had an interview on his podcast with Dr. Robert Malone, and they were talking about the vaccines. And, you know, Joe, uh, Joe Rogan has come out about not being about mandated vaccines. He himself took the ivermectin, and it was controversial and the problem is that he has a huge, huge following of people that listen to him. I, I would listen to him here on Podbean, but I can't find the, the podcast uh, version that I want. There's several that say Joe Rogan, but they're not. I can't find the one that I'm looking for on Podbean. So anyways, I guess it's on Spotify. I'm Dave Fremlin, and you are listening to the one and only Dave Fremlin Show. But anyways, long story short, um, he had this interview and now the left wants to, uh, you know, come after him, but they can't come after him for misinformation when the information is not wrong. And so they're now trying to find other ways to cancel him. And apparently he said, you know, he was reading lyrics from a rap song on his podcast 10 years ago and the words included the word nigger. And I have no fear of saying it. And, um, and he was repeating the word. And it got said, and he now is a terrible, horrible human. Now, as far as the word itself, I mean, I'm of the belief that once a word is out there in the English language, you're going to have a hard time putting it back in the bottle. And as far as who can say what words, we live in America, and everybody has the right to say whatever they want. Now, people have the right to not listen, People have the right to, you know, be angry or do whatever. They can even tell somebody else, you know what he said? But at that point, everything is hearsay and not worth, you know. When people come to me and say, you know what so-and-so said? You know what I say? I say, well, they didn't say it to me. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really care. You can say whatever you want. People get angry. People have if you're an artist, you're trying to express. I mean, words are in the English language to express certain things. And so um, that's what they're there for. And so the, if you have a need to express a thing and you pick that word, that's what you're trying to express. Now, are there better words and, and lower words? Yes. And usually what happens is people that use bad words tend to be people that don't have a creative enough vocabulary to use better words. Okay, that's actually the truth. And so the more intelligent that you become word-wise, and I'm not saying that that has anything to do with any other intelligence, but the more that you become 
good with using words, the more you are able to avoid using bad words. But when people get angry, they say things. And things have different connotations and different meanings depending on how they're said. You know, if I'm reading you lyrics out of a book and I'm quoting something and it was written, in, you know, in 1920 when there was a different sensibility, there's absolutely no problem. And if you think there's a problem, then the problem is coming from you. Okay. And that actually, I didn't want to go on this topic, but I'm going to go there anyways. I don't really care what happens because th- I'm really a nobody. But my observation of life is, you know, there all this thing about racism and white supremacy and all this stuff. I don't see it in America. I, th- I live in Florida, okay? In Florida, I remember everybody saying, oh, they're so full of white racists. They're white supremacists. Eh. You know what lives in Florida? The most mixed, diverse, culturally ethnic uh, mix of people that I have ever seen. And I see people of all different colors, all in one relationship. I go to Disney World. I see families. I can't tell if they're all one family or if they're friends of friends of friends all together as a group. I can't tell because there's so many different colors in one family that I don't know where they came from. All right. I don't even know how it's genetically possible or if it is. And so, and I, I really have, I love it. But I'm just saying that I don't see that as racism. And what I do see as racism is when a person who is not getting the results that they want in their life, blaming somebody else and then blaming it on their race, it's their own insecurity coming out. You know, like where did the slaves really come from? You know, this is very controversial, but where did the slaves come from? Okay, yeah, there's a market for that, but where did the product come from? Okay, they sold each other into slavery. You know what I mean? It it was one tribe selling another tribe. It was one group selling another group. Okay, there were plenty of black groups that were trading in black slaves. And there are plenty of other colors and other ethnicities that also were slaves. The first people that were ever slaves were Jews. Okay, and so... You know, don't I, the whole thing about racism. First of all, the idea of a me and a you and we are different or we're alike is part of the way that the human brain sorts things out. Yeah, there is biology to this. And the biology is, and I'm not, don't go like, you know, to a college professor, go, Dave said this. I'm not a scientist, but I can read, all right? And I can understand things. And the bottom line is that there is, there is a biology to the way that the brain works. And how the brain works, you want to know, is in order for it to comprehend a universe that's full of data, it has to categorize and separate and categorize and separate and it puts these things together in this pocket and it references these things with this pocket and some things cross-reference. And so in order to identify and categorize, they must have categories. A human brain automatically does it, okay? If you look at your computer screen, your laptop or your desktop, and you see that it has folders, 
the way that the computer works is modeled after the brain. So there's folders in there, you know, like it, it categorizes. And it's, it's a natural process. Now, whether one, you know, discriminates based on those categories is a, is a function of fear. And it's a function of insecurity. And so the person who allows them, and this is on an individual basis, but then it grows out into groups. So it starts with me and my own insecurity, okay? And I project that onto the person who I perceive is better than me, okay? So I cannot perceive that somebody is better than me unless I perceive myself as not as good as. You understand that? I can only be, somebody can only be better than me if I'm not as good as them. And so it starts with my belief that I am not as good as. And then it puts that projection onto the person who I think is better than. The Dave Fremlin Show is now available on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. If you like listening to The Dave Fremlin Show, don't forget to follow me and subscribe to my podcast and share me with a friend. Thank you and have a nice day. And then I pass my insecurity on to the other people that I think have the same um, common flaw that I have. So let's say that I have a broken foot with screws in it and it hurts. And I think that people don't give me, I think that somebody is a better dancer than me because I have screws in my foot. So I find other people with screws in their foot and we all say that we're discriminated against because of the people that don't have screws in their foot are better than us. So what it does is it starts with our own insecurity, then it it collectively branches out to the people around you that you attract to you because mostly people attract to themselves people that have either the same weakness or the opposite weakness they're either they're like puzzle pieces so they either attract the one that fits snuff up against it or the one that has the piece that opposite piece so that's how it works and so you either have you that's how it works and so what happens is collectively you project out your insecurity you have a collective group that has that same insecurity then they find the ones that they think are better than. See, you can only have a better than if you have a I'm not as good as. So really, and I'm, I'm not telling anybody else what to do, but this is for everybody. If you're out there walking around and you're looking at people and thinking, oh, they're better than me, they're, you know, that means you think you're not as good as. All right? I, I had that issue just last night. I was in my improv class. I was kind of getting upset because I think some of these people are better than me. I get jealous. I have a real problem with jealousy. And uh, I get really jealous and I try to find flaws with the person I'm jealous of. And then I have to go, wait a minute. They can only be better than me if I'm not as good as. And if I'm not as good as, that's only because I don't have enough experience or I'm better at something else. You know, that just that's just the way it is. And so... Um, that's my podcast for today, and I hope that it goes out. I hope I don't get creamed for saying certain things, but, you know, the truth has to be said. You know, people have to be able to say the truth, and I don't care, you know. 
nobody knows where I live. It doesn't really matter because you know what? It's only my opinion. And people, I don't even have any friends. So go there, figure out how much my opinion counts. All right. Uh, I will talk to you later and have a nice day. Bye. The opinions expressed in the Dave Fremlin Show are strictly opinions. I am not an expert. The Dave Fremlin Show is written, directed, and produced by Dave Fremlin and is a Dave Fremlin production. Thank you for listening.